Folks, a little MGK for you. Machine Gun Kelly, of course, also from the land. Good friends with the champ, Stipe Miocic, the heavyweight champion of the world, of course. Headlining UFC 226 against Daniel Cormier, who is also the light heavyweight champion, as we know. But this is for the heavyweight championship, of course. Uh, Stipe has been coming out to Machine Gun Kelly for the last several fights. So that's why I played that, because you know I'm repping the land. Somebody who's repping a very successful country right now, the country of England, kicking ass in the World Cup, back once again, a real man's man, the handsomest man in all England, my buddy Curtis Pearson. How are you tonight, Curtis? I'm not too bad, just a bit warm at the moment, not used to it in England, you know, the heat, but apart from that, doing okay. Yeah, no kidding. It's been super hot here as well. Like they said it was going to cool off today, but I got out of work a little while ago and it felt every bit as hot as it had the previous two, three days, you know, which were in the 90s at various points. So yikes. But um, anyways, um, let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into it, buddy. This is uh, UFC 226. It is in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the big uh, international fight week card. Uh, this is the, the big baby of the entire year, really. And if you, if you look at the card, it's got card of the year written all over it, especially the main card. Um, it's, it's just really filled with action fights that uh, people are going to be excited to see. So uh, we're going to give you some analysis, predictions, maybe a few LOLs along the way. We'll see. And uh, we're just going to go right into it here. Um, I'm going to start right off the bat with the uh, fight pass card. If we, uh, since we have the time now, we, we're not rushing it. Um, we have women's straw weight. Now, Curtis, if you know who these girls are, go ahead and speak on it. Cause I'll be honest. I've never heard of either one of them. Only one of them has a Wikipedia page. We got- yeah, that's, that's literally what I'm looking at right now. And um, I know, is it Jamie Moyle has a win over um, Caitlin Curry? Or Kaylin Curran, oh, okay. who's well known, but that's the thing. So she's not got a bad record, but I've, I can't remember seeing any of these women fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 that's the that's the thing. That's the thing about UFC these days is back in the day, every UFC card you knew everyone from top to bottom. But now, because there's that many cards, there's that many people coming in. So like sometimes you just don't know. It's like people making the debuts or coming from other other organizations as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, now it's not like it's their fault, but I mean, now you're seeing a lot of people coming over from Bellator or yeah, World Series. Yeah, Victor as well for the females. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's Jamie Moyle versus Emily Whitmire. So if you care to hazard a, uh, a guess, a prediction, whatever, uh, go right ahead. I'd go with Jamie Moyle. <laughs> I'm going to do the same. He's the one with the Wikipedia page. He's got a Wikipedia page, you know? Simple as that. Yeah. Uh, Maybe there's some underdog money on Emily Whitmire, folks. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> check see, it out. I, see, I put money on on fights, and I always go on to is it uh, was it Sheerdog? So if you like, you know, 
And that's the thing, there's some newcomers coming in. There's all these like crazy Russians coming in now with all the wrestling and everything like that. And you look at the record and they've had like 20 fights in other organisations, but they've still not got a Wikipedia page. So you just right. think it's just a random person, but actually, you know, they're pretty high calibre. So this uh, Emily Whitmire, well, she might be, she might be something, you know. <laughs> she might be, I don't know. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah I'm glad you brought up uh, SureDog too, because shout out SureDog. That was uh, one of the things that had to do the most with making me a big MMA fan, uh, because this was like, you know, back 10 years ago, there weren't all the sites there were today and all the places covering it. And if you needed to know something about a fight or a fighter, rather, um, you could go to SureDog and they would have all the all the pertinent information and almost nobody else would have it. So all those guys, uh, you know, the founder, Jeff, is, is no longer there, unfortunately. In fact, most of the guys aren't there anymore. But um, they, if you're a SureDog guy, you're a real MMA OG, in my opinion. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so uh let's move on to the i guess it'd be the main event of the fight pass card if you can even say that uh it's a lightweight fight between dan hooker and gilbert burns now i've seen i've seen both of these guys fight several times you know i, I feel like they're just kind of i mean they're on fight pass so it's like they're like maybe fringe top 20 you know lightweights they're they're good fighters but they're not gonna you know make a run at the title anytime oh soon. no I'm, I, but you say that dan hooker um I've watched his last three fights closely because he, he beat Ross Pearson, you mm. know, KO via knee, and he beat a guy who's from my hometown, uh, Mark Diakese, and he's from Doncaster. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a surprise that Diakese had a lot of hype behind him. That's what I mean. Do even pushing him in the UFC game, the, the last UFC game before it come down, he was available in the demo, and they were talking oh, yeah. about him because he's, you know, he's... He's got a bit of, uh, you know, a flashy fighting style. Uh, submitted him in the, mm-hmm. in the third round. And then he's just beat Jim Miller via a knee again. And when I was watching the Jim Miller fight, which was in April, the 21st of April, mm-hmm. um, I was saying Jim Miller's going to duck, duck into the knee. And literally within a couple of minutes or so, um, Whatever you know, I just remember him like ducking into it. Dan Dan Hooker just landed the name, and yeah, it, it, it was actually perfect. It was perfect. I'm looking at it right now, and, it, and exactly at the three minute mark, KO yeah. knee Miller. <laughs> Literally, so like uh, I just noticed it around the two like two minute mark, and then boom, you know, mm-hmm. completely insane. Right, right. Like, Jim, Jim Miller's one of those guys. Is I think he's up in like the top five of all time UFC fights. Like uh, you, you know, accumulation of UFC fights. I think he's in the top five. There's like there's Tito, there's there's other people, but he's had like um, over twenty UFC fights. Put it that way. So he's like yeah. one of those that's durable who can really you know beat anybody in the top fifteen, you know, or more to the point, um, before the top fifteen now, you know. Right. right. I mean, but he's when it gets... he's kind of an undersized, uh, you know, one fifty five. Yeah, he should, he should be one. 45 in my opinion mm-hmm. i think he did for once or twice if, if memory serves actually but um he didn't agree with him you know he didn't like the weight cut and everything so i think he went back but um yeah so you got hooker versus burns and gilbert burns is uh you know definitely not a bum as, as i say he's 14 and 2 i mean that's quite a good record and um his last victory was back in April as well. He beat uh, Mr. Dan Moray, or Moret, I don't know. Uh, that was also yeah. the Wikipedia page. Um, but yeah, KO punches. He's 14-2, and two, but 
as you said, I mean, uh, it appears that Stan Hooker has been on a pretty good run recently. And um, it's funny you say that guy, um, Mark, is it Diakis? Diakis? How do you say it? So Diakese. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't know who that guy was, but I just saw he was going to be on a card and I wasn't watching it. And then my buddy, who uh, who's also really an MMA, <laughs> sends me this quick YouTube clip. He's like, you're going to want to check this out. And it was him. I can't remember exactly what happened, but it was a spectacular knockout. Like one of those ones where you see it and you just go, whoa, you know, like, like that. Yeah. yeah. But um, in light of his recent success or because of rather, I'm going to pick Dan Hooker in this fight. I don't have a prediction as far as a finish, but I just feel that Hooker will get it done. In the end. Yeah, me, me too. I think, no, he's, I think he's one of those guys because the, the light weight vision, you know, division to me now is that a lot of people that are at the top, They've been there for a while, or they've been mm-hmm. spoken about for a long time. So there's these new, you know, he's only 28, Dan Hooker, as well. So when you think of like Tony Ferguson, he's in his, he's approaching mid 30s now, isn't he? He's like 33. Tony Ferguson? I'd have to look him up real quick. I don't remember, yeah. actually. I, I think he's like about 33, 34. It actually might even be older than that. The Margaret Madoff's been, a, you know, around for a while. So, you know, it's like for me, it's like Kevin Lee is like the new breed of lightweights. You know, he's, he's like the, mm. the, you know, the new kids on the block. But when you look at him, I don't know how long he's going to be able to make 155. So there's right. some of these guys coming through now where they haven't got the big names, but it surprised you what they can do. And it's, that's what it's always been like for the, the lightweight division. Someone just comes along and all of a sudden it's like Brian Ortega at 145. Not many people really knew about him until he beat Frank Edgar. Or in my circles, anyway, not many people would have spoke about Brian Ortega. Like, oh, I can't wait to see him fight. But all of a he beats Frank Edgar, and it's like, okay, who's this guy? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean just, these guys just need that one fight, you know, and beat someone with a name, and then they're there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I thought um, that uh, Ortega was a very good fighter, but kind of limited. You know, he's really good with submissions and all that, but the way he knocked out Frankie Edgar was really shocking. Do, and... do you know what I've seen the other day, which surprised me? I mean, mm-hmm. if I thought if, it, if he, you know, failed any test, it'd be for like weed, because he's one of those like sort of chilled out dudes on a surfboard. You know, that's how he comes across to me. And yeah, he's, yeah. He's a nice guy, by the way. I've seen him in interviews. He tested positive uh, for steroids. Did he? Uh, I kind of remember hearing that. It was from a previous fight though, right? Yeah, a previous fight back in the day, it, like, was it uh, Nan- Nandrolone or something like that? Hmm, okay, so, yeah. And, and I never thought, I never even, I can't even remember that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I'm never surprised by anybody testing positive for a PED anymore, to be honest. I mean, it's like, uh, it's funny enough, just last night I was watching a few videos about, like, called The Truth About Steroids, you know, on YouTube and stuff. You may have come across them as well. Um, and they had various guys, such as, like, Rich Piana and Jay Cutler. And oh, he died, didn't he, Rich Piana? What's that? You know Rich Piana? He died, didn't he, last year, last August? Oh, yeah, he passed away. He had, like, yeah. a, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was oh, basically he, stroke he's... and he yeah. went into a coma. Yeah. See, I think he had like uh, an heart attack, and he sort of passed out and smashed his head on the floor because his his partner could not withstand his weight. You know, she could not hold him back from falling. Right. So I like, he, he was three hundred pounds at the time. Uh, yeah. Legit. And, I, and you know, what I think about him, I won't. You know, I'll quickly say this. Uh, what I think about him, he was doing all these uh, series on YouTube, uh, stronger by the day or smaller by the day or something like that, where he was. Yeah. 
getting himself up to like £325 doing all this crazy stuff, eating loads of Ben, ben and Jerry's and taking steroids. <laughs> and he admitted to it. And it's like, yeah, mate, you, you're knocking on 50. No wonder yeah. he died. It's insane. Right. I mean, he's been taking steroids, I think he said, at the time of his death would have been for 27 years. That's not good, you know? But the thing I, the thing I loved about him is he admitted it. He admitted to taking Simfol and all that stuff, you know, that stuff that you inject into your muscles and everything like that. He admitted it. And he wasn't fake. And he'd always give good advice on YouTube to people that was, you know, sort of um, amateur rookie uh, bodybuilders or just lifting weights. And he'd always be honest. I respect the guy. And it was a shame. When, mm-hmm. he lived, when he were living, everybody seemed to hate him. But when he died, uh, you know, it's all of a sudden he's, he's the greatest guy on earth. But he was a nice guy, you know. Right, right. I agree. I mean, certainly not without controversy, just because of the nature of steroids and all that. But you're right. I mean, he was always very upfront about what he was doing, and and so See, sometimes I, fault, you know. I mean, you know, for me, if you're taking steroids whilst going into a cage, you you know potentially could kill someone. If you're walking around wanting to sculpt your body or, you know, whatever it may be you're doing in your private life, I don't think you should be sort of condemned by society for taking stories. If you're not acting like a lunatic or a crazy guy and you're not beating up your wife, like, you know, Roid Rage was uh, blamed for Chris Benoit killing his wife and son, for example. But if you're mm-hmm. like a good citizen and you're taking stories, you can handle it. That's OK. I don't think you should be judged. Um, right. But if you're a fighter and you're going into a cage and you've got an unfair advantage, that's when I'm like, okay, that's not fair. You know, that, that's, well, that's, that's my opinion anyway. There's, I mean, it, we could debate, but we don't know as far as like who has taken them and who hasn't, you know, I mean, but we do know that especially before USADA in the UFC, it was pretty rampant and a lot of guys were on it and they knew how to beat the tests, you know, they knew how to cycle yeah. off in time before the fight so that they would well, test clean. And, I mean, you could tell. Look at a lot of the physiques compared to back in the day uh, versus now, you know. Anyone who's listening to this right now, watch the uh, or listen to the GSP podcast that he did with Joe Rogan within the last two months. He did it. And he literally right. he literally says on Rogan's podcast how you can get away with being a drug, t- a drug cheat. And I'll tell you something, it's so easy. And that's the scary thing. Right. I mean, he, he based, I've heard it said that um, the, the previous, you know, pre-USADA drug test was more like an IQ test, because if you failed yeah. it, you're, you know, it was the yeah. well-known ways to do it. And uh, everybody would, you know, if you were at any big time gym, there would be somebody who could help you do it. You know what I mean? So it's uh, I don't know. It's it's very controversial, debatable. But as far as like pro athletes go, you know, I mean, if, if you, then. If you yeah, I mean, if everybody. If you- if you was a fighter in the UFC or any organization and you knew you could get away with it by taking something that could potentially earn you more money in the future where you've got an advantage over your opponent, but you'll get away with it, would you do it? Yeah, I mean, if it's your, unless you're a seriously moral guy with a huge opposition yeah. to it, you're probably going to do it because this is your livelihood, you know? I mean, it's like when, I know you probably don't follow baseball a lot being, you know, English, but um, there was a huge scandal in baseball yeah. in America for, in the, probably the yeah. early 2000s is when it all got exposed. And it was all this like all these people taking the moral high ground about it and everything. And it's like, for one thing, the stuff they were taking at the time in baseball wasn't even illegal. It wasn't banned. Like there were no rules against the things they had been taking at the time or no test for it, really. 
Um, and then, you know, at the same time, like, let's say you're a good athlete, a really good baseball player, and you get into the pros and you find out that uh, 60, 70, maybe 80 percent of your teammates are doing steroids. And definitely the most elite guys are doing steroids. So you have to do it if you want to keep up with them and keep on their yeah. level and whatnot, you know, and it's like, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to be just an average player and, you know, make average money? Or, you know, if somebody came to you and like you said, Curtis, you know, if, if you could get away with it and nobody would find out, would you like, let's say somebody came to you, uh, somebody, you know, the ghost of uh, Curtis future, you know, and said, uh, yeah. Curtis, uh, if you take these steroids, you're going to, um, you're going to oh, make 50 million oh, more dollars. You know, during the course of your career, you know, would you do it? So, I mean, for me, I, I wouldn't. I, the reason why I'd want to take steroids more than anything, it wouldn't be for performance. It'd be about injury, recovering mm -hmm. from injury. It wouldn't be about actually, like you know, to perform a spinning back kick all of a sudden. You know, you understand what I mean? It's it'd be more like if I'm injured for a certain period of time, I'd I'd be tempted to take something so I could recover quicker and get back in action. Sure. Or recover in a better way where my injury is not going to be as bad. Because I've, you know, I've known people that have had uh, really bad asthma and I've had this like uh, steroid inhaler, um, you know, asthma inhaler or whatever you want to call it. And it, it, it improved them, but it also made them bigger. Yeah. Yeah. You know, th th their lungs were that bad. They got an inhaler that had some sort of steroid in it and they got physically bigger, but also healthier. And it's like people with um, HIV or AIDS, whatever you want to call it, and some of them take, uh, you know, some of them who's carrying the disease take steroids and they don't die as quick. Right. I've seen that. And they are healthier, you know, during the time yeah. they live, you know. But, exactly. And you would obviously do that, wouldn't you? If you can oh, afford yeah. it, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like uh, what people always think, like people who don't know, they think of steroids and they just think of bodybuilders and guys doing it to get all swollen and everything. Like there are yeah. other benefits to it. There are all kinds of steroids, you know, I mean, some are for different purposes. You know, the guys that are doing bodybuilding are not taking the same steroids as the guys in, in boxing or UFC or anything like that. You know, it's it's a different thing and it does help you. The real edge is that it can help you recover faster, like you said, and a lot of train more. You know, you can train two, three times a day because your body recovers so fast and you won't get hurt. I think the thing that would put me off taking anything like that would be when I get to a certain age where if I take that stuff, it might kill me. So say, say for example, if you're 50 or 60, I don't think it's going to be healthy taking that stuff. I think that might kill you. You understand? Yeah. So how is your body going to recover from taking all that stuff when you were younger? Right. So basically, I don't think your wife's going to be too happy, if you know what I mean. No, exactly. I mean, this is one of the things uh, Rich Piano was talking about is that when you take steroids, especially at a young age, uh, your, your testes, your testicles, whatever, your testicular... Yeah, shrink, testosterone. Yeah, it, they shut off because what you're injecting is the testosterone and your body goes, oh, we don't need to make this right now. And then when you go off it, it still isn't making it at a normal level. And it can take a, a very long time to recover or it might it may never recover. You know, it's like one thing that's sick. I'll, I'll, I'll quickly say this. One thing that sickened me back in the day was, you know, Todd Duffy is. Yeah. So basically, he's like six, two and he's built. He's massive. He's got a fire hydrant head as well. Right, and he was taking TRT <laughs> in the UFC back in the day, and this is when it was like sort of you know legal, whatever you want to call it, or a prescription. What was he like twenty five taking TRT? Twenty five in his in his early twenties, and oh he's taking. Testosterone. I'm thinking to myself, what's going on here? And he's 
jacked, no body fat, jacked, huge. And it's like he's screwing the system, so to speak. In my opinion, he might have had a medical issue for I know, so I apologise. If I, <laughs> you know, I mean, all right, but it's like, what does he need it for? He's 25 years old. He's bulletproof. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he may have had a medical issue, but that's part of the reason that it got banned is that there were certainly people abused. Well, you know. Exactly. Like Vitor. 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 Uh, but this is the thing. With Vitor, I've looked into his history. He used to have a trainer called Curtis, who's mm. now dead and his and Curtis's arms used to be oh most point his veins in his arms were bigger than most people's arms. Yes. You know what I mean? And he was taking all this crazy stuff and he was purple. The the man looked like uh, Bane. You know that like, you remember the, the Batman and Robin film from the nineties? Yeah. That, that's what that Curtis looked like. Yeah. So Vito Belfort was a nineteen year old in the UFC back in the day fighting Tank Abbott <laughs> and he was two hundred and forty pound teenage oh, yeah. with traps this you know traps that were massive and it's like okay of course you were taking something so he's abusing that when you were a young kid sure well, I mean, that's the thing is guys like vitor have been on steroids for like 15 20 years and then you see like we talked about in vitor's last fight it's like when you go off of it it ages you so quickly yeah. because your body's not producing testosterone correctly anymore you know and it's like um i seen a picture of him recently on instagram and he looks jacked again he looks huge but it might just be him manipulating the camera angle or whatever but he looks big again and joe rogan was talking about it you know but i do hope he does cut your pan and take some trt <laughs> <laughs> i was i want to see it i like the freak show fights it's like everybody recently has been talking about chuck Liddell against tito i'm okay with it personally because it's you know it's someone that both both guys in the 40s. Right. And it's like, it's not like it's um, Anthony Johnson against Chuck Liddell. You understand what I'm saying? You know what I mean? It's, it's Tito. And Tito can barely move himself. Right. I Yeah, I agree. But I remember uh, you and I talking about on the last podcast the possibility of that happening. And, um, you know, thinking of Chuck's chin now so deteriorated at that age, it's like... <laughs> could see Tito easily catching him with just a random punch and, and dropping him and knocking him out or maybe submitting him afterwards and doing the damn gravedigger thing to Chuck you know, afterwards. And all. It'd be horrible, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. It, and Tito would just be eating it up. He'd be, oh, I finally got you, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, come on, dude. Like, you had to wait till he was 50. And uh, speaking of ages, by the way, um, you were right, buddy, about um, Tony Ferguson. I had looked him up while we were talking. He's 34. I didn't know that. So. I thought. Yeah. yeah, and um, He's a crazy guy. Speaking of of Curtis's, uh, since we went off yes. steroid tangent for about twenty minutes or whatever it was, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but steroids have. Always, I've been a big sports fan, especially combat sports and everything uh, fan, and I like bodybuilding and all that. I could talk about steroids like all day, even though I've never taken them. You know what I mean? It's it's just. Anyone who's listening to this, uh, watch bigger, faster, stronger. Great documentary. It's a that is a phenomenal documentary, and yeah. the, the guy who makes that, uh, what is his name, Chris? Chris Bell, yeah, and Mark Bell. Yeah, Mark Smelly Bell is his brother, the powerlifter, yeah. and um, yeah, the, he makes phenomenal documentaries. He also made another one called Prescription Thugs, all about the uh, prescription yeah. drug epidemic in America, and uh, it's he's just really talented. But um, that, that scares me about America. I mean, I'm not trying to insult Americans here. You know, I don't want that. But it's, I don't like it when a teenager will go into a doctor's and say, you know, I've got these issues. And it's like, okay, take this. It's like, you know, come on. What about some exercise or a different diet? 
you know, what I don't know what was the, the popular one in America now for the teenagers in America, but it, it scares me that doctors don't care about these children's, you know, mental health. They'll just give them something so it's easier instead of encouraging them to do a bit of exercise or just getting off the internet for a bit. It's scary. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's it's easier for parents to just give their kid a pill to pop instead of work on the actual problem with them, you know? I mean, yeah, and it's happening now in England with certain things, you know, but it's just not at the the rate in America, right, you know? Right. Yep, I agree. But uh, we're not here to talk about that, buddy. Uh, we're here to talk about the uh, <laughs> the cards. And uh, yeah. as I said, um, <laughs> speaking of Curtis's, the, the, the first fight on the preliminary card on Fox Sports 1 which it's kind of funny to read that because you know soon they're going to be on ESPN and it's not going to be Fox anymore, which is yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, but um, we have a welterweight bout between Curtis Millender, or Melender, I'm not sure, versus uh, Max Griffin. And again, I'll be honest, uh, this is the last one on the card I can say this because I know pretty much everybody else on the card. I don't know these guys. I've never seen either of them fight. Yeah, with um, Max Griffin, he recently beat Mike Perry, who's on the main card against... Uh, I was surprised by that, yeah. Yeah, and I, I was really surprised by that, and I actually won some money on it, by the way. So mm. that's pretty cool. But um, I, I will definitely go with Curtis uh, Melinda in this one. You know, and he beat, uh, I think it was Thiago Alves last time out. And he's a big lad as well. He's six foot three for the 175, you know, 170... Uh, pound division, weight division. Oh, yeah. And he's actually been undefeated since uh, June of 2016. Hmm. So he, he's actually had a lot of fights since then. Um, so in the UFC, he's got a perfect record. And he actually um, had a fight in Bellator as well. So I'll definitely go with him in this one. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking at, I was looking at his uh, record while you were uh, talking as well. And um, yeah, he did beat Thiago Alves in his last fight. But here's the thing. I mean, Tiago Alves uh, beating him in 2018 is not the same as beating him in 2008, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Which is weird to think he's even still around because he's had just so many ridiculous injuries. And uh, not to talk ill, of, not to talk ill of the man, but uh, another probably pretty obvious steroid guy back in the day. So I don't know. But um, I don't know about that. I don't know. I mean, do you remember? I don't know about that. Uh, Matt Hughes, what he looked like. Yeah. I mean, he was just yeah. like all traps and shoulders and everything. It was like, geez. So, I don't know. Because the, the only reason why I say that is because he's like a compact guy, but on a smallish frame. Yeah, true. It's like, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly say this. When I've got concerns, it's when there's one who's like 6'5 and they've got a massive frame, but it's all muscle. That's when I'm thinking someone's on something. But if someone's like 5'9, compact, and then they've got to cut weight anyway, I'm thinking, okay, maybe they're not taking anything. Because it's just years and years of training. They're going to carry muscle anyway. So I don't know. I mean, but I understand what you mean. He's he sort of deflated after you started to come into it. You know? Yeah. I get you. True, true. Yeah. Um, you know, and just because I haven't seen uh, either of these guys. I, you know what? Actually, now that you said that, I remember that I did see um, Griffin beat Mike Perry. And as you said, it was oh, very surprising. Yeah, really good as well. Yeah, it looked good as well. Yeah, yeah. And he, he's pretty talented. I, I didn't know anything about him. And I was impressed. So... Just for the heck of it, I'm going to pick him uh, instead. I'll just go the other way on that one. Uh, moving on, we got the uh, lightweight battle between Lando Venata versus Drakkar Close. Close, I'm not sure. Uh, either way, uh, in a lightweight fight, as I said. What do you think about that one, buddy? Um, 
see this, I'd say closer, whatever. Um, he's two on one in the UFC and he lost his last fight uh, via a decision. Um, but with Venata, he gives um, Tony Ferguson issues because he, I think he was like a short notice fight for Tony Ferguson. I think Tony might have actually been fighting a Marga Madoff in that fight, but Venata stepped forward and he's got good. Um, Stand up and everything like that. He's just had a draw with Bobby Green, which was a crazy fight. Yeah. Um, and it was fight the night of, I think, what what card was it? UFC two one six. It was fight night. So I'm just looking at it on Wikipedia. Yep. Um, I'll go with Venato in this one, just because of what I've seen him do against Tony Ferguson, and I just think it's like two evenly matched fighters against each other. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to agree with you uh, because, yeah, like people were obviously he was a late notice replacement um, for Tony Ferguson uh, that uh, was supposed to be uh, Nurmagomedov, as you said, which that fight just seems destined to never happen. And uh, I heard that. Uh, that's, that's a creepy one that went with that not happening. That's that's weird. That's jinx. It's been I don't like it. Three times, I believe, uh, that they've been supposed to fight. And he, um, I think it's yeah, it might have been four by now. I can't even remember. Um, yeah, it's and and the funny thing is, just the other day I heard that if Conor McGregor doesn't return by the end of the year to fight uh, Nurmagomedov, it's going to be Tony Ferguson versus Nurmagomedov, which of course is not going to actually occur. So you know, but I honestly do think that what the UFC will do, will, you know, stack that card in case it doesn't happen. Oh, for so it's a bonus. Card. Have a hopefully to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Dana's been burned too many times by that before. He'll definitely uh, figure something else out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Venata, uh, after he had the Tony Ferguson fight, he fought John McDessie, and he had a spectacular finish with a wheel kick uh, knockout again yeah. as well, which was uh, pretty impressive, obviously. And, um, yeah, the, the fight with Bobby Green, he was actually deducted a point in that fight, too, due to an illegal knee. So he, he probably would have gotten the decision if not for that uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. But so we both agree we're going with Lando Venata, and um, I'd like to see another spectacular knockout. So uh, go for it, uh, Lando. But uh, anyways, we're going to move on to uh, the next fight on the Fox Sports 1 preliminary card. We have Rafael Asuncao versus Rob Font. Now, these guys, I have seen both of them fight several times and uh, both really good. I mean, a high end uh, Bantamweight 135ers. And um, both guys that I could see, you know, it's it's somewhat of a pick 'em fight to me. But I'm just going to go with the Sun Sal because I, I, he's got a lot of impressive victories against, you know, top flight guys. Uh, Rob Font, not as many, hasn't been around quite as long. Um, I was impressed by a Sun Sal against uh, Marlon Marais. I, I didn't think he was going to win that fight. And um, I, it was a split decision, but I thought he won the fight and uh, it wasn't too controversial to me. And he's also coming off a knockout finish of Matthew Lopez uh, back in, actually, it's been since November 2017 he hasn't fought. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going with Asanso in this one. I think he's, I don't know what his issue was, but he was out for a long time. And at the time, I think he was like the number one um, contender before he got injured or whatever it was, his issues was. Um, yeah, I'll definitely go with him in this one, but you know, I think this uh, Rob Font, um, I'm sure he, he had a big win last time. Yeah, he beat Thomas Almeida. He actually finished Thomas Almeida. And for a while, I've I seen Thomas Almeida before he before he fought uh, uh, Garbrandt. Garbrandt. Is that how you say it? Garbrandt? Cody Garbrandt, yeah. Yeah, Garbrandt, what do you call it? Yep. 
Um, I've seen him as like a future champion, but he just seems a little bit off. But yeah, I'll go with Sansa in this one. He's just elite in that division. No, he's definitely top five all the way. Agreed. Yeah. The uh, the main event of the Fox Sports 1 prelims is a very exciting guy, but a very inconsistent and sometimes frustrating guy in Uriah Hall versus Paulo Costa uh, at the, in the 185-pound division. Um, I'm going to go with Uriah Hall just because he's so talented. And it's like whenever you're – I've been frustrated by him a bunch of times, many fights he's had where he – Seems to not pull the trigger. I've heard things about he's a very nice guy. He's actually concerned nice about he's, he's concerned about hurting his opponent. You know, it's like, hey, buddy, you're in the wrong business here. Then you know, you're in the hurt business. You know, but uh, uh, but he's so talented. And I mean, he first came about on the Ultimate Fighter, of course, where uh, he knocks the guy out and he said sorry right afterwards. You know, and uh, but he locked him out with just a, a wild kick that looked like he killed him. You know, on impact and everything. And uh, he's had. A few spectacular finishes in the UFC as well. Uh, so uh, he definitely has the potential to beat anybody, but it's a question of is he going to be able to to get that uh, that aggressiveness that he needs? Uh, Costa is going to starch him in the first or second round. Wow. Easily. Easily. So Costa is 11-0. and 0. His, He last beat Johnny Hendricks uh, at UFC yeah. 217. This guy. This guy's good. And, you know, this is the only reason why I say that I like Uriah Hall and I agree with everything you say, but he had a minor heart attack recently. Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's like he had a bad weight cut and uh, when someone has a minor heart attack, oof, you know, that's not good. You know what? You're absolutely right. And uh, I'm going to make it. You know, I've, I've, I've spoke to certain people about heart attacks and this and that because it's just – you know, weird conversations you have at certain hours of the night, but it takes the body such a long time to recover from stuff like that. Even a minor one, sure. the body it just takes a long, long time. You know, so him going into a fight camp and cutting weight again, um, God knows what's going through his head. You know what? That's a good call. And I'm looking at this guy's record. He's 11 and 0 with 10 knockouts. So I mean, uh, I'm going to amend my pick and also pick. <laughs> And I hope I hope Uriah Hall's okay. I mean, I don't, you know, a minor heart attacks, this and that. It could be just from dehydration and you know the hearts, you know, being all, acting all funky. And that's normally what it's from, um, heart attacks. With footballers, soccer players, shall I say, it's because of dehydration and on the pitch in the sun, it causes you know the heart to act out a rhythm, which causes a heart attack. Um, but with, co- with confidence issues and everything like that, it's going to go against him completely. And this Costa is legit. And what he did to Hendricks, it, it, it was so easy for him. You know, and I've got so much respect for Johnny Hendricks, who recently retired. Yeah. Um, but when someone comes along and does that to Johnny Hendricks, then I know he's a player. Right, right. Well, I mean, to be fair, like, I kind of thought Johnny Hendricks was a bit of a shot fighter the last couple of years. You know, he didn't really seem to want it anymore. You know, he moves up to, to 185 and he had no bit being at 185. I mean, the guy's like five, eight, you know, he's, he's a, he's a thick old boy, but uh, you know, I mean, he should be able to make 170. When he came into the UFC back in the day, first time I seen him fight was against Amir Sadala. Yeah. And this was UFC 101. And he just, it was like a freak finish. He was just coming uppercut Amir Sadala and the referee stopped it. <laughs> This is when Johnny Hendricks had a full head of hair, you know, and uh, what do you call it? You know, just a, a beast, you know, Johnny Hendricks. It's just sad what happened to him. Yeah, I mean, the, the discipline. You know, 
And for me, his main issue wasn't really his weight and this and that. It was just certain decisions that went went against him. I think he just lost his his lost his love for the sport. Yeah, yeah. As you probably say, you know, gosh darn, I, I just didn't want to make that weight no more, man. I just wanted to eat me some pumpkin pie. You know what I'm saying? But um, anyways, uh, we're both picking Costa. Uh, I changed my pick after some great points by my man over here, uh, Curtis. <laughs> we're moving on to the main. Which a white, a white hole. The uh, you know best of health. Anyway, you know definitely. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, of course. Um, now before we get on to the actual main card and make our picks, talk about all the fights and everything. Uh, unfortunately, we can talk about uh, what happened to the co-main event with um, Max Holloway having to pull out. And uh, credit to your boy, Michael Bisping. Um, he was one of the first to notice on, on UFC tonight that um, Max just seemed off. You know, he seemed sleepy or, or out of it or something like that. And sure enough, you know, however many days later that was, he has to pull out because of concussion-like symptoms. And unfortunately, it's only a couple of days before the fight, and there's not going to be a replacement. Uh, you know, I, mean, I guess they offered Brian Ortega, uh, Jeremy Stevens. Stevens. Yeah, and he declined it, and he should. You know, I mean, that's that wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. So, with Max Holloway, I've seen the interview, and he sort of reminded me. I'm not trying to make light of this. You know, his injury or his, his condition, whatever's going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. But he sort of reminded me of someone who just woke up the next day after taking sleeping pills and it's like the first five minutes of waking up after taking them <laughs> all the sleep and just being there but not being there at the same time and he just looked you know dazed and confused and his eyes were sort of half closed <laughs> he's scared of that because he's a young guy really talented he's got charisma as well you know and it's um it's scary when this, these things happen to these guys because it, it makes you realise how, how brutal this sport is and how brutal it is actually training for the fight itself, you know. So I just hope he's okay. But I've seen a, a question earlier on and someone said, you know, what, what should uh, Max Holloway do? When should he fight? And I think he should have the rest of the year off and just train. And, you know, I'm not, telling, I'm, I'm not saying he should give up the title or anything like that, but I would not want to see him fight this year, personally. Yeah, I think that would be a good call. And I mean, it's it's hard to because when you have a if it's really a concussion, if it's a brain injury, it takes time for that to recover uh, completely. And for you to be able to take a punch properly again without, you know, either getting dropped or doing really serious permanent damage to yourself, you know. So, I mean, yeah, I, I obviously wish Max the best as well. And, and as you said, it is a shame because he was really just kind of coming into his own, not just as a fighter, but in his own like personality, his confidence, his swagger, like he was kind of trying to kind of figuring out, you know, how he could present himself as a more marketable guy and it was working, you know, but um, I don't know. It's unfortunate. Um, You know, Twitch, you know, where gamers go on in the stream, Mm. he's like a really nice guy and he's, to see him, how he was speaking in that interview, like really, really did shock me and I'm glad Bisping actually called him out on it. Yeah. You know, because because he knew something was wrong because he's obviously gone through everything he went through himself, but when you go from watching Max Holloway on Twitch and he's full of life and like, whoa, like a, you know, got energy mm-hmm. to that, that's not good. Oh. So like, um, I just want him to be. I think Dana and the UFC will have him checked over by the specialists. That that's what they always do. Credit to the UFC, um, and just take his. He should take his time because ego, ego is uh, a thing that always gets people hurt in the end. Oh, yeah. you know he. 
he's that young. If he's 35, yeah, maybe rushing a little bit, you know, but as Elvis says, only fools rush in. Classic <laughs> <laughs> never just takes his um, yeah, I agree. And it's, you were right. That was a great uh, analogy there, buddy, about um, the way that he seemed on that show. You know, it seemed, you know, you ever, ever have somebody like try to ask you an important question, like right after you've just woken up, it's like, don't talk to me right now. My brain's not on, you know, it's like, I can't process everything. That's, that is how he seemed. It seemed like he just, he was in a fog. He wasn't completely awake, but, and I don't know if it was like uh combination of like the weight cut and then maybe he got hit in training and did get concussed because he was in a weakened state I don't know but whatever it is he obviously um shouldn't have been fighting and it was a good call to pull him from the fight and and uh hopefully he can make a full recovery and not have issues like that again Uh, does he need to move up to 155 pounds perhaps I mean he's a big guy for that weight class he's what 5'11 six foot to make he's fine He's five eleven, but I think he actually might be six foot because I've seen him with um, Nate Diaz on a picture, and they look like the same height. And I think Nate's about six one, six foot. Yeah, I mean, for all we know, he could have actually grown since he came in the UFC because he was only about nineteen or twenty when he debuted. You know, he can still grow to about twenty two or so. So the first fight I've seen of him was against Dustin Poirier, which he lost. Right. But, you know, Dustin Poirier was so far ahead in his career at the time. So, Well, he was a short-notice replacement in that fight, and it was his first fight in the UFC. So it's like, hey, go out there and have buddy, you know? Yeah, I learned so much from it. Right, right. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that we're not seeing that, uh, that unification fight with Ortega and uh, Holloway. I'm sure it would have been a great fight because they're both actual fighters. I would have gone with Ortega. Wow. You know, it would have been a close one for me, but um, I I may have picked Ortega too because it's like he's undefeated. And until you see somebody beat somebody, it's hard to pick against him, you know? That's what I mean, yeah. That guy's just got got a knack of finishing people and that's hard to go against. It's almost like Connor Mm. when he was on his run in the UFC. It's hard to go against that guy if he's finishing people in such ways, convincing ways as well. It's amazing to say it's... Um, I went with him against Frank Edgar, and I think he was quite a heavy underdog as well. I just thought to myself, he's, he's going he's gonna to win this. He's a special guy. He's so chilled out as well. His mind's very special. Yeah. So I'm, I can't wait for that fight. I can't wait for that fight when it does happen. Because I'm, I'm positive it will do. Yeah. And that's, like you said, that's a good mentality to have for fighting because if you can remain calm in the pocket and calm in a sea of chaos, then, then that's great. You know, if you panic and make the wrong move, that's how people get knocked out or they get caught in submissions and things like that, you know? So, yeah, but I did not, as we were talking about him earlier, I was going to say, but uh, I was picking Frank Edgar in that fight for sure, because I thought Ortega was very good, but I thought he was a bit limited. Didn't know that he had the striking that he displayed in that fight, obviously. And, um, I thought that Frankie Edgar was just going to be able to kind of wear him out, box him up a bit, you know, just uh, beat him up and, and probably win a decision or maybe finish him late. But I was very surprised when uh, Ortega dropped him and then got the finish. You know, it was wild. Yeah, I'll tell you something. Frankie Edgar, for me, is is one of the best of all time. That, that, I love that guy. He's a whole th- His mentality. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and just the fact that he was the 155 pound champion in an era when guys were, you know, on steroids more often than not. I mean, no offense, like Gray Maynard looked a lot different back then when he was fighting them than he does nowadays and everything. And, uh, you know, this is a guy that fights at 145 now and they say could make 135 if he wanted to. Not what? Yeah. Yeah. But I think Frankie said uh, in interviews he just hates 
cutting weight. Well, hence, in fighting at 155 back in the day. Right, right. And who can blame them? It's a very unpleasant process. So. <laughs> uh, All right, let's go on to this main card here. And, and I assume that uh, this fight was going to be probably the main event of the Fox Sports 1 prelims before the uh, fight got pulled uh, with Ortega and Holloway. So we have a, a light heavyweight fight between celebrated kickboxer Gokan Saki versus Khalil Roundtree Jr., who also has a kickboxing background and is a very aggressive, you know, all-action fighter. This fight is going to be awesome. I think somebody's going to sleep within the first two rounds uh, for sure. And with it being Gokan Saki, a very highly trained and decorated kickboxer, as I said, uh, I don't think Khalil Roundtree is going to try and take him to the ground. I think he he's going to want to make this a show, and he's going to get knocked out by a superior striker within two rounds, I think. Yeah, if it's a stand-up fight, Saki should win. Now, I've watched this guy for years. I call him the Turkish Tyson. His combinations are completely insane. And he's always fought against bigger guys. He's like he's fought against Badahari, um, Overeem, for example. He's, and he, I, think he's, I think he's like 6 foot, 5'11". But some of these guys he used to fight were, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, and I think he, he fought... Um, Semi Shield back in the day as well, and Semi Shield is like six eleven, seven foot tall. Oh god, yeah. So yeah, it's just a complete freak. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically. Anyway, um, I'm going to go with Saki in this one if it's a stand up fight. But I mean, this uh, Roundtree Junior, I've seen him fight a couple of times, but I, I don't really recall what his ground game's like. Because if he's got a you know a superior ground game to Saki, he should take him down. Why get knocked out? You yeah. Know? I mean, absolutely. I don't recall seeing him go to the ground in any of his fights. You know, I've seen him fight several times now as well, but um, it doesn't uh, just briefly looking at his Wikipedia page. You know, usually it'll say what they are in terms of a jujitsu belt and whatnot. And um, I can't find anything about it on there. So I don't know. Uh, He's probably not to say he's a novice, but um, I don't think he's, you know, a high level. Finished on the ground against Tyson Pedro, who recently fought against OSP. Mm. Uh, that's the only time I saw it, one of his fights has actually finished on the ground. So I think it'll be a stand-up fight, and I think it's just uh, whoever's going to sort of land clean. But I'd go with Saki on that one. Yeah, you know, 100%. So, and I think Saki is uh, used to getting hit by bigger guys and such. You know. Speaking of not cutting weight, I remember, you know, when he came into the UFC, I had seen him have some kickboxing matches, but, you know, wasn't super plugged into that, didn't know a lot about it. I don't think he really cuts any weight. About 205 or so is all he really weighs, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, I think I think at his maximum back in the day was 225, and that's him probably in like six meals a day in training. Mm-hmm. And trying to fight against guys like uh, Overeem and Badr Hari and stuff like that, you know, so, yeah, I'm sure he bulked up some. Yeah. So we're both going with Saki by knockout. We hope it, it'll be a Saki bomb. <laughs> Anyways, um, it, uh, the next fight is it's a catchweight fight, actually. Surprisingly, Michael Chiesa missed weight. He made it to 157 and a half pounds, and he could, he could bleed no more. Uh, but um, it didn't make the weight. It's a catchweight against Anthony Pettis, former lightweight champion of the world. And uh, formerly one of my favorite fighters, Anthony Pettis, but in recent years, uh, I hate to say this, uh, I already mentioned it with uh, Johnny Hendricks uh, once before. We talked about um, 
Henan Burrell uh, on the previous show uh, when what happened with him with TJ Dillashaw. I think Anthony Pettis is a shot fighter as well, unfortunately. I don't think he wants it anymore. And um, it's unfortunate to see because this guy was one of the most electrifying fighters in all of fighting at one point, you know, a few years ago, he had the famous uh, matrix kick as they call it, you know, off the cage and then kicked Benson Henderson in the face with his toes. Basically, if he would have got all of that would have been better if he finished him doing that. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Would have been, I mean, if he would have caught six inches more of his, some shit, but he didn't get it all. So yeah. Um, going into this fight, he's, going up against Michael Chiesa, who didn't make the weight. Maybe that's going to have something to do with his his cardio, his stamina. But honestly, I mean, as I said, uh, I hate to see it, you know, with guys that I, I think really had a great career at one point. And, you know, when you lose the title, it, it can be deflating. And, and when you don't make it back, that can really do a number on your psyche. And maybe that's what happened to Anthony Pettis. So for that reason, Chiesa will uh, get a finish in this fight. I think he'll get a submission probably on a uh, – probably worn out Anthony Pettis or, or perhaps even just not wanting to be there anymore. Anthony Pettis later in the fight. I'm going with Pettis. I've just got this feeling that this, um, Case has had some bad luck recently as well. I'm, 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 I'm thinking of it from a betting point of view though. Yeah. You know, well, he um, got up by the, the bus incident with Connor, right? So he had the fight against uh, Kevin Lee, which he, the referee sort of stopped it too early where he didn't tap. Yeah. And he wasn't conscious. And then he had the, the, the thing with Conor McGregor on the bus or the coach. Right. And then he's away. So he's had like three things in a row. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going with Pettis. I've just, I've just got this feeling that he might just have a resurgence, you know. But I mean, before all this, you know, I've been listening to what um, his trainers have been saying. And they've been saying that Anthony has sort of been inspired by his brother, Sergio. And he's, he's been training better and he's in himself and he's not got the injuries and for a long time, Pettis kept on getting injured all the time, if you can remember anyway. Right. And it's like uh, injuries going into fights. It must be just such a, you know, a buzzkill. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, just, uh, you know, it just um, it takes your confidence away. Uh, I'm screwing with Pettis. I'm screwing for the underdog pick here. Yeah. Uh, I assume he's the underdog anyway. I would think so. Yeah, I mean, given his recent history, he hasn't been too too hot, you know, on the on the record and whatnot uh, as far as wins and losses. Um, I would love to see that. I hope you're right because, as I said, Anthony Pettis was one of my favorite guys. To watch. I think he's I think he's one of those sort of the nicest guys in the UFC. He's a really nice guy, but yeah, I'm screwing for underdog here. Okay. There's something about Pettis where I just feel like he's. And obviously, it's easy to take him down, isn't it? You know, it's like he's, it's, it's kind of scary how easy it is to take down a former champion. Right. I've seen people just come up to him and hold him against the cage with ease. And I'm not saying he's not a strong guy, but it's, it's kind of weird. There's this guy who was a former champion. Was he a former champion at WEC as well? Uh, yeah, I believe he was. I think he, uh, the, the fight that he, he hit the Matrix kick against Benson Henderson was for the title and he won that fight, yeah. They were legit, those guys. They had, like, Cerrone, they had Jamie Varner, they had Rob McCulloch, uh, and Benson Henderson. So that, that lightweight division over there, were, you know, and it was under the Zufa banner as well, and that was legit. So if you're a champion there back in the day, you, you've got my respect. Um, you know, I just think he had some issues, and there was some weird stuff that went on in his house. So people, people set fire. Can you remember when someone set fire to his car? Yeah, that's true. I remember hearing about that. I had forgotten, but, yeah, I definitely heard about that. 
like some weird stuff that happened in his personal life. But yeah, anyway, I'll go with the underdog in this. But I just feel like he's 31. I think he can still um, do something in the sport. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's shot, but I think his confidence has been in the past. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, did you ever see that that uh, it was a few? It was when Anthony Pettis was in the WEC. Still, it was a there was a show that used to be on MTV called World of Jenks, and he was a documentarian, and he would go around and like you know just learn what people's everyday lives were about and stuff like that. <laughs> I've never seen. You've it, never man. seen. You should look it up, dude. It's probably on YouTube. And um, it's it was where I actually became aware of him. Like I had heard of him as an MMA fan, but I'd never seen him fight because I, I wasn't really watching the WEC at the time. And um, but you're right. I mean, their lightweight division was legit. And if you remember when when all the when they absorbed the WEC, some of the best fighters in the lightweight division were from the WEC for a long time. You know, so I mean, it was uh, it was no joke. But um, yeah, check that out. It's it's called World of Jenks. It's J E N K S is the guy's name. And it was really entertaining and it went into uh, his life and it showed his brother Sergio and they went to his house in uh, Milwaukee and all that. And they talked about, um, you know, like his family history. If you know anything about his family, it's his unfortunate family history is murdered in their house, like right as he answered the door and whatnot. Very sad story. Um, what was that? Was that like, uh, what, was his dad just killed for no reason? Or was it like someone trying to break into the house? It was, I, I believe it was a home invasion. Yeah. 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 Very- so I think he's got a title of his dad or something on his chest or something. He does. Yeah. There's a big like picture of his face on it, I believe. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. We're splitting it down the middle on that one. I'm taking Kiesa. You're taking Pettis. Uh, but I'm hoping that you're right. Because as I said, I, I do have a soft spot for Anthony Pettis. Uh, moving on to the third fight on the card. This should be a great one. You got uh, Paul Felder versus Mike Perry. It's at welterweight. Paul Felder usually fights at 155, as we know, but uh, Yancey Medeiros was actually supposed to fight Mike Perry uh, originally, and he pulled out in late June with a rib injury. So fortunately, it was enough time for Paul Felder to uh, come in and take the place of uh, Mr. Yancey Medeiros, which also would have been a hell of a fight, and maybe they can do in the future as well. But uh, in any of what's your take on this one, buddy? It's like a 50 50. I've got a lot of, I've seen Mike Perry fight live in Manchester. Mm-hmm. It is, I just, this is why I'm going to go with him in this fight because I remember thinking if he goes to a certain gym like Jackson, uh, Jackson Winkle John, because that's where he's been training, he's been even training with John Jones and people like that. <laughs> I think his fight IQ will rise. You know, it's like a young guy like that, he's only 26. He needs that. He's got a lot of aggression. He's got a lot of power. Right. But his fight IQ is not up to scratch. And if he's got uh, a certain style or someone comes into his corner and says, you know, do this, do that, I think he can be actually be a content, you know, top 10 guy, uh, win some, lose some, but, you know, be a fun fighter to watch. Almost like a Diego Sanchez type guy, you know, where the fans will want to watch him. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm going to go with him in this one. Um, I've just got a gut feeling that he's going to win. But Paul Felder is a uh, very dangerous guy, very good with his elbows as well. Um, but I'm always wary when somebody goes up in weight to fight someone who's used to fighting it that way. You know, I'm always wary of that. Of course. It's, 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 yeah, yeah it's, it's a scary thing for someone to do. Yeah. Especially on but it, this is the thing it's it's not like Paul Felder's a small guy he's the same size as um, 
Mike Perry, maybe even bigger. Right, right. It might weigh anyway. A lot more, a lot more thickly muscled than Paul Felder. Body. Yeah. I don't know how he makes 155. It's huge. Yeah, it's true. Um, I, I like Paul Felder a lot, too. I mean, since him coming into the UFC, I think I've seen every one of his fights, and he's always entertaining and uh, very – very well-rounded, very skilled guy. You know, he's, he's got those elbows. He's a good striker, uh, but he's also very good on the ground. You know, I mean, he's got a very good jiu-jitsu game and a kind of a, a crafty game, too. As I remember seeing his fights, like, he's not your traditional. He, he'll take big risks, and he does. He thinks outside the box on the ground, in my opinion, you know, and he, he makes moves that, that I really enjoy. But um, as you said, I mean, it's uh, – 155er, a uh, big 155er or not, that's a big jump up to welterweight, you know, I mean, that's 15 pounds, that's not just 10 pounds like some divisions, you know, so I mean, Mike Perry has, has big time power at that weight class, and uh, I enjoy watching him fight as well, uh, he obviously, I mean, how could you not, he's, he's fun, you know, but, uh, and he's wild, but um, you made a great point about him being at Justin, uh, <laughs> not Justin, um, Jackson Wink uh, as well, and that's one of the best camps in the world. I mean, if you can spend time with Greg Jackson and, uh, you know, as far as uh, strategy and just learning all aspects of MMA. Go in there for your first camp, you know, like, um, you know, so say, for example, you'd go from one gym to Jackson Winkle, John, you're going to improve so much within that camp, that 12 weeks, eight weeks, whatever it may be. Um, sure. But I'll say this, I'll, I'll do the safe prediction, actually. I think if it's uh, three rounds, over three rounds, Paul Felder, but if it's a stoppage, Mike Perry. That's, right, that's, right. That's me sitting on the fence there. I think it's going to be a close fight either way, though. So you're saying if it goes the distance, you you take Felder. But if it goes... Yeah, because yeah, I think his fight IQ was better. Right, right. Yep. Well, and, and here's the thing, too. Um, as good as it is for him to be at a place like Jackson Wink, uh, Mike Winklejohn's also a great striking coach. He's their striking coach, obviously the other half of that, uh, of that camp. Um, it may be a thing, you know, a guy like Mike Perry, who, as you said, um, needed to up his fight IQ because in his last couple fights, um, the one that he lost against was Max Griffin, right. Um, who's also on the card. You could see him getting frustrated. Like he didn't know yeah. what to do, you know, and stuff like that. It's because he didn't have enough skills. He didn't have enough tools in his toolbox. You know what I mean? And, um, and his girlfriend at the time, uh, I don't even know if he's still with her, the blonde chick, she was giving him advice in the corner. <laughs> so he's like, yeah. You know, it's like, okay then. Yeah, right, right. I, I... Who would you have having your corner? Greg Jackson or her? So. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of an upgrade, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. But that's what, what, I, what I'm like kind of getting at is that perhaps, you know, with Mike Perry learning so much from, from all these guys like uh, Jackson and Winklejohn, maybe he'll be thinking too much in there. And a guy like Paul Felder, that's been confident in his abilities and he's very well. Do his thing. He could, he could just go in there and take them apart while Mike Perry's, you know, trying to process everything. So who knows, but um, I'm going to pick Mike Perry just because of the size advantage and everything, but uh, wouldn't be shocked if Paul Felder pulled it off in some way or got a submission perhaps, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a good fighter. And I'll tell you something, um, I think he was against Stevie Ray. And uh, his elbow yeah. brutal, like vicious. Some of the most vicious elbows I've ever seen. I think you're on top of Stevie Ray, if I can remember. Just his elbows were so connect as well. Uh, amazing. Um, yeah. His elbows and John Jones's elbows on the ground are some of the best I've ever seen. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And I mean, for him to take out Stevie Ray, I mean, this is a guy who's a multiple time tag team champion in WCW and he's got to be 250. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, Booker T in the corner shouting instructions, you know, I mean, it's very impressive. But uh, anyway, obviously I'm kidding. Uh, Stevie Ray is uh, also a UFC fighter, but it just took me back when you said that. So, yeah. Call him. Hey, all of them. Uh... Hulk Hogan, we come up to you. I can't say the rest of it. You know why? Um, <laughs> but uh, let's let's move on. We'll go to the uh, the co-main. It's uh, another. It's there. You got two heavyweight fights to end the evening. It's uh, Francis Ngannou who challenged Stipe Miocic for the title in his last fight, unsuccessfully, obviously. Uh, versus Derek Lewis. I mean, these are two enormous, hard-hitting dudes. If if this doesn't end inside of a round and a half, I would be shocked. Yeah, it's, it's two two elephants colliding. You know, it's yeah. um, this one. I, I'm, you see, Francis Ngannou, it's everybody were giving him um, hassle after his fight with Stipe. And I thought right. Stipe were going to win that. I, I predicted it. I just, I just thought um, Stipe would do the Daniel Cormier tactic against Anthony Johnson. You know what I mean? Mm. Just the same sort of thing, same difference. And it's funny, Stipe is actually fighting Cormier, actually, isn't it? Um, <laughs> what do you call it? But I think Francis did well to actually survive. So he showed me he's actually a real legit fighter who's got heart. You know, he didn't get stopped. He was tired and he went through it. And he's a big muscle-bound guy. Uh, Derek Lewis, crazy power. Um, but you've got and he's got back issues. And he spoke about it on um, Ariel Huani's ESPN podcast thing recently. I still call it. I still want to call it the MMA hour. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I'll, I'll definitely, not definitely, but I'll go with Francis in this because he's cut weight. He's gone from like 265 weighing into two, um, 253, I think he is now, which mm, okay. is really good and it's a sign of improvement cardio-wise. I'll go with Francis for this just because if it actually goes three rounds, you know, I think Francis will actually win. And you know, yeah. it's one guy with a, a legit injury who's having to have injections in his back. That's not good. That's not good. No. Back issues. And I'll tell you something, it's, it's horrible, you know, mobility wise anyway. And if you're fighting against a six foot four man with power, it's not good. No, no, that's trouble for sure. And, and neither one of them want this fight to go the distance, you know, in any event. Uh, Derek Lewis isn't exactly, you know, king cardio himself either, you know. So, um, yeah. That guy from a personality point of view, if you, if anyone's on Instagram, follow Derek Lewis. He's hilarious. The stuff he posts and is, is, he looks like a really intimidating dude, and he is because he's a UFC fighter and he's a big guy. But he's softly spoken, and he's actually a really nice guy. You know, what I mean, he's a really nice guy when you hear him in interviews. I like him. He's a he's a chilled out guy, quietly spoken sure. as well. You know what I mean? So I, mean, I wouldn't cross him, but he's definitely a nice. No. Yeah, but. Uh... Just to go back to what you said about Nganu, you know, people giving him trouble about, uh, you know, what he did against Stipe or, or lack of, rather, lack thereof. Um, you know, it's, you can criticize him because he did – you can say, yeah, he's a tough guy. You know, he, he toughed it out. He didn't get finished and all that stuff. But the criticism for me is that he didn't know what to do on the ground. When he was on the ground and Stipe was on top of him, he would just try to explode out of it. He didn't try to use any technique or anything like that to, uh, you know, get leverage or get to a more favorable position or anything like that. So, I mean, you could see the difference on the ground was night and day between him and Stipe, and that was why he was able to 
keep him down and, and, you know, take all the energy out of him in the way that he did. So um, I think, I think the main issue I had with that is because people underestimate Stipe. I don't really see the UFC pushing him. He's, he's a, no. I think I said this in the last one, but he's a fireman. He's a good guy. He's a, a sort of, He's a guy that you could have a laugh with. He's not like a, a confrontational guy. Either. He's a, sort of just an right. easygoing guy that gets on with his friends. He's a, he's a good man. He's a hardworking man. But I think sure. undermining Engano is taking something away from Stipe because Stipe is one of the best of all time. He's amazing. And it's like people, oh. don't give him, that, people just don't give him the credit at all. It's like it, it blows my mind how the UFC aren't pushing that guy. They're not. You know, they, they push Sage Northcott more than him, in my opinion. It's like, what the fuck? I don't get that. Sorry for the language, but it's like, come on, man. Like, push that but, guy. He's a nice guy. Curtis, the muscles on Sage Northcutt, the abs. Come on, brother. Yeah, he's not taking anything. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. And they're probably not since anything like that, right? Based diet and uh, well wishes. Just his dad who got busted for steroids a couple times, you know, with whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Not just doing them, but like running a steroid ring <laughs> in any event. Yeah. Um, I, in this fight, yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, Stipe is essentially Captain America, you know, but uh, if you really look at it, but they don't uh, they don't push him as such just because he's he is so, you know, down to earth and, and not a guy who wants to go out and just talk all the smack and stuff so, like so, that. He just wants so, to go out there and do uh, the job. An MMA version of Klitschko. The Klitschko books. Yeah. You know, I mean... Obviously, different type of characters, of course, but not chat, you know, not talking anything, just getting on with it, handling it as business. Okay, next fight, let's do it as a business, not, you know, sort of hyping it up. Even a bit like Anthony Joshua in a way as well. Anthony Joshua over in England, he's getting pushed to the moon, but he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't really say anything. He's just a positive guy. If you look at him in interviews, it's just like chilled out, sort of, <laughs> but. He's selling out Wembley Stadium and um, the stadium in Cardiff, the Millennium Stadium. You know, yeah, he's completely. Well, I mean, in, in America, but, in America, it's almost like a show business thing, and it's like, oh my god, you know, it's show business. <laughs> you know what I mean? But right, it's, right. certain other places, it's just there's just the hype, and it, you can't help it. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I mean, the UFC hype machine worked on me in the last fight. Uh, that's when Stipe fought in Ganu. Like, man, I was nervous. I'll tell yeah, you what, too. you know, yeah. I, any any shot, you know, I was thinking could take him out because you, you can't blame him. I mean, look what he did to uh, all the guys previously. The way that the uppercut that he hit over him with, it looked like he killed him. You know, I mean, it was like and but at the same time, I, I was it, I was very nervous, but I did pick Stipe because I, you know, I don't want to talk badly about uh, Overeem, but he had a pretty stupid game plan against a guy like Ngannou. You know, I mean, if he could have stuck and move and used uh, his striking more efficiently and more technically and precisely, he probably would have been able to pick him apart and eventually finish him. But he went in there like a wild man, just swinging, you know, uppercuts as well and throwing all these wild hooks and, and leaning in and leaving his chin out. And he paid the price, you know. So, I mean, that was it. But um, Overeem... I mean, he lost against Curtis Blades recently. He's right. one guy that's... Because I'm a big fan of Overeem, and I, I was a fan of Overeem when everybody seemed to hate him. You know, this is... I started become a big fan of Overeem in 2010 when he won K1, and he was massive. He was huge. Oh, that was fun to watch, yeah. And he was, you know, 
you know, completely insane. It like something from a superhero film. Um, <laughs> and I used, like, to, I used to stick up for him. I used to say, he's not on steroids. He's not taking anything. I don't complete, oh, 20 at the time. You know, I need <laughs> Um <laughs> But he's one guy I'd sort of like to see retire because he's, he's just had a young kid. He's got another girl. And, he, and he's made a lot of money. I just don't want to see him keep on getting knocked out because eventually he's going to pay for that, you know? Right, right. And he's, he's a smart guy, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. an inspirational guy to me in a way because when he gets knocked out, he's so positive after. When some people are like sort of down and dumps, he's like, okay, back to business, let's do this. And I just wish more people sort of looked at his interviews and his uh, Ream documentary that he does on his website. He's actually a really nice guy, but people think he's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I watched some of that years ago, yeah, when he was... Um, when he was What's that? Yeah, the production's amazing, what they do. And it's, you know, it's oh, free. He yeah. doesn't charge anything for it. He does it off his own back, pays for it himself, and it's, it's really good. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely was on the same page with you when he was uh, in K1 there and everything, and he was just so enormous, you know? I mean, it was just, as Michael Chavello said, you could show a movie on his yeah. chest. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say earlier. Like, that's, uh, I think you were against Ben Edwards in that fight. That's when Chavello said that, yeah. <laughs> I was watching it on, like, HDNet, whatever it was uh, at the time. Yeah, he was he was a good time. And then, you know, he's doing the crossover with the MMA, and you know, he's, he's winning the Dream title, and he's winning the Strike Force title. I mean, it was good stuff back in the day. Oh, Brock Lesnar. My friend Craig says, oh, Brock Lesnar's going to beat him. I says, no, Overeem's going to kill him in the first round. Trust me. Yeah. And he did. You know, he just, like, saw knees and kicks to the body, which obviously Brock had the surgery on his stomach, diverticulitis, whatever you call it. Right. Overeem back then were like the TRTV toy. It's like just amazing to watch. Oh, God. Remember that weigh-in? Like what he looked like when he took his shirt off? He was like Superman, literally. Yeah. Literally de demoralizing for me to look at someone like that. You know, <laughs> what the hell? It's like, God. I literally, I, yeah. I literally wanted to put on a massive like uh, fur jacket to cover myself after that. I didn't want anyone to see me because look at him. You know what I mean? Could you, no, could you imagine being on the beach with your girlfriend? And he walks past. I think I would just like shrivel up and go into the sand, you know. Put him into the ocean. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, it's over for me. He's just gonna come over here and take my girlfriend. That's all. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, back to the fight. Uh, I'm gonna take Nganu as well. Uh, I would have taken him anyway, but especially because of uh, you know all the uh, the issues Derek Lewis is having with his back and everything. It's not gonna be a good time for him in that case, uh, especially if he can't move as well as he as he normally might want to, you know. So with yeah. the guy like so yeah, and uh, and you're right. I mean, it, it, Stipe didn't get enough credit for doing to him what he did. Uh, and speaking of, let's just go ahead and roll right into the main event. We got uh, Cleveland, Ohio's own the fireman, uh, UFC champion. He set the record for heavyweight title defenses. Still, this man gets no respect. Stipe Miocic. Uh, however, he is the favorite in this fight. I did see going into the uh, Twitter today that he is about a... I saw earlier in the day he's a minus 185 favorite somewhere around there. It might be lower now. You know, I feel like as it gets closer to the fight, it'll be... Probably about even, but, you know, if you can get him now, you can still get Stipe as a favorite. And Cormier, as I think he's a plus 150 or so underdog. And of Cormier, of course, the light heavyweight champion. Uh, 
Curtis, I'll let you go into it first since uh, he's my hometown guy, and I'll go on I'll go into him after that. No, this is a trick, Yon, because obviously I've just been giving all the praise to Stipe. Um, but technically, Cormier is undefeated at every weight. Like, I'm just right. going to quickly go on his record right now because I used to watch him at Strike Force. And... Oh, let's have a little look. Sure, yeah, me too. He was the uh, Strike Force heavyweight Grand Prix champion. Yeah, you're like a crazy coming as a wild card or whatever it were. Um, mm-hmm. When I first took notice of him is when he beat Bigfoot or Antonio Silva to everyone else. Literally uh, yeah. demolished him. Um, but the thing that really caught me attention was when he beat Josh Barnett. He flung him around midair. And Josh Barnett's a six foot three man who's like, you know, 18 stone, 255 pound. <laughs> he flung him in the air like he was, you know, laundry. Hey, laundry, laundry. Um, <laughs> joke, that was a joke, trust me. Um, what do you call it? It's just um, insane what he can do, but what do you call it? He beat Frank Mayer easily. Frank Mayer wasn't even in that fight mentally. Uh, mm-hmm. Roy went to a decision. Then he went to 205, beat Patrick Cummins, and Patrick Cummins had uh, sort of issues with him in his wrestling days or something like that. Um, demolished Dan Anderson. You know, flung him in the air as well. Oh, yeah, um, that wasn't good. Yeah, that was uh, and submitted him. Then he lost to John Jones' decision, and it really made me realize how good John Jones were there, and how big he is as well. I know John Jones is six four, but it's almost like he, he's seven foot when he's in that cage. It's the length of him that he has, you know. His legs and his arms is, you know, it's insane. He beat Anthony Johnson, Gustafson, which I sort of think Gustafson won that in a way, um, but you know. Beat and, uh, Anderson Silva, Anthony Johnson again. No contest with John Jones, but he did get finished. And then he beat Vol- yeah. Volcan. Um, this is my sort of, you know, point here. Cormier in the heavyweight division could sort of be like a Robert Whitaker in the middleweight division. Robert Whitaker, <laughs> when he was at welterweight, was a good fighter, but now he's at middleweight. He's faster than most guys. He gets in and out. He's, you know, and he's got the power as well. Um, Cormier, uh, heavyweight, is he's just it makes it look so easy against these guys that are bigger and slower. But most of the guys he fought at heavyweight back in the day outweighed him by quite a bit, or were physically bigger guys. You know, just um, you know, two sixty. Um, but right. Stipe, he's, yeah. only like two forty, two forty two, two forty three. He's not like mm-hmm. 65. Actually weighed heavier. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's a tough one. I'm going to go with Stipe because he's the bigger guy. But I, I would uh, not be surprised if Cormier can, uh, can do this. Honestly. I would. Yeah. Obviously, Stipe is my hometown guy. It's kind of like uh, you with Michael Bisping. Like, he is me and I am him. I can't pick against him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, he, he, I can't. My heart won't let me do it. But... I do. I'm picking Stipe as well. I would, uh, even if it, even if he weren't from uh, my hometown and all that, just because it's hard to not. Of course. Sorry. It's hard to not go against him. You know. It's, yeah. How can you go against that guy with his record? You know. Also, in Cormier's recent fights, he's been more inclined to exchange on the feet early in the fights and whatnot, especially in the first or second round. Uh, if you remember against Volkan Ozdemir. 
uh, he got caught a couple times pretty hard uh, early yeah. in that fight. Um, he also got caught against Anthony Johnson before. Obviously, John Jones finished him with a head kick in their last fight. Uh, John Jones talked about <laughs> very impressively. I mean, he talked about how good John Jones is. It's like, I don't think we even really know. You know, it's like you talk about um, him possibly fighting Brock Lesnar when he returns and all that. He would absolutely murder Brock Lesnar. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, he would do whatever he wanted to him pretty much. Um, unfortunately, Brock. People say that. When I seen Overeem against Lesnar, I'm like, okay, Overeem's going to destroy him because of the power. But John Jones hasn't got that KO power. Yeah, I know he beat Cormier, but he's not known for that, is he? You no. what I'm saying? It's like, I think John Jones would be more likely to sort of submit him. You know what I mean? But I think that'd be an interesting matchup if it was Brock Lesnar of all those years ago, not now. Because Lesnar's 40 now and, he, and he's not in a training camp or anything. It'd be completely insane. But I'm on the <laughs> the Lesnar that were against like a Shane Carwin or the Lesnar that beat Frank Mert at UFC 100. I think that'd be an interesting matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. It's like, I don't know. I just think that his striking is so rudimentary, you know, like when he gets in trouble. But I've been, I, what I'm basically saying is it being, it just be interesting just from the physical, like John Jones has almost got those, they say he's got chicken legs, don't they? That's what he was named back in the day when he was playing um, American football, high school football. Yeah. I think they called yeah. chicken legs or something. It, oh, for sure. Legs are so skinny, yeah. His physical stature to Lesnar's, it's just like polar opposite. It's completely insane. So it'd just be, it'd be so intriguing. But yeah, I'd want to have seen the Lesnar of old against uh, John Jones of murder. Sure. But it's, I mean, you know what he's going to do. He's just going to bull rush and try to take him down. Him <laughs> right. And I mean, he can get on top of him and like land a big Could shot. Imagine if he F5 yeah. John Jones and knocked him out. <laughs> I mean, that could happen. That would, the internet would literally explode. That would be insane, yeah. And then, of course, everybody would be saying, was this a work, you know, like, is it a UFC? In the cage, in the octagon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you got dropped on the octagon with an F5, you'd certainly be knocked out, you know, because it's not the same as a ring. <laughs> but I don't know. It's kind of ridiculous that we're actually talking about this right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, to, to go back to the fight, um, I, I'm picking Stipe because here's the thing. I have great respect for Daniel Cormier. He's one of the greatest fighters of all time, not just in his weight division or anything like that. Well-rounded, uh, Olympic-level wrestler and a very good overall fighter. Um, but here's the thing is that he is not the striker that he fancies himself to be. Uh, if he gets into a firefight with Stipe, no pun intended with Stipe being a firefighter, <laughs> that actually kind of made myself there. Um, he's getting knocked out. Uh, if, if he gets into the, you know, wants to fight in a phone booth with Stipe for a round or so, Stipe will finish him. Uh, Stipe will knock him out badly if that happens. And, and I think that, the way that Stipe is not the wrestler that Daniel Cormier is, obviously, and that's that's Cormier's best shot at winning the fight, um, being able to take him down and put him in bad positions, perhaps submit him or pound him out uh, if he can get a finish, if that's what happens for him. But I think in the first round or two, even though Cormier weighed four pounds more than Stipe, I mean, Stipe always weighs between about 240 to 246. That's 
that's what he weighs and he's in great shape and he's just a naturally big, strong, athletic guy. I mean, this guy played college baseball, college wrestler, and obviously he's the heavyweight champion of the world. So we're not talking about just your average jabroni off the street here. This guy is a, a he's a super athlete, even though he doesn't. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't get the respect that he, he deserves because he just looks so mild mannered and he's soft spoken and all that. And he doesn't, he doesn't do anything spectacular, but he's a heavyweight. He's not going to be doing backflips in there or anything, you know? I mean, it's like, that's the thing about it. So I am going to pick Stipe by knockout in the second round and still. Yeah, I so. think if it's a stoppage, I'd go it third round. Um, I think most likely it will go to a decision and I think Stipe will just sort of outpick him. I think he's going to be using a lot of jabs and stick and move, stick and move. I think it's going to be one of those type of fights, but it's, it's such an intriguing fight. I think, um, you know, literally, I think we're spoiled here. You know, I'm just happy this is um, this is happening because I've seen Daniel Cormier fall. Did you see him fall over? When? And he literally, they were doing like the, uh, the press conference before the fight and he fell over and injured his name. No, I did not see that at all. No, he fell over. I think he fell over a cable like Tony Ferguson uh, did. Tony Ferguson <laughs> injured before the the Marga Madoff fight last time out, and Cormier literally fell over. He got up to sort of move away, fell over, and you see Stepe in his blue suit sort of looking over what happened. And Dana's got a look of shock on his face, and Cormier was like on the ground for like about ten seconds or something like that. Wow! Wow! Uh, I hope nothing seriously happened to. Him. But, hmm. anything like that. They've weighed in, so they're okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. I hope, you know, I hope it doesn't compromise uh, the uh, the quality of the fight or anything like that. You know, because I, as much as I want Stipe to win, I want him to beat a one hundred percent Daniel Cormier. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think I think we've done it, buddy. I think we covered the entire card. So uh, hooray for us and. Uh, Thanks for joining me. As I said, uh, we know that you're in England and you're five hours ahead, so you're well past the night. You're if I've rambled on a bit, I'm just a bit tired, but it's easy to talk to a friend, isn't it? So. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. I'm, I'm glad that uh, you were able to join us again, and uh, we really appreciate you here on the uh, podcast as well. And uh, I know our fans like you as well. So, uh, it's, uh... Oh, thanks very much. <laughs> yep. So with that, We'll uh we'll wrap it up and uh until next time, buddy. Take care. Thanks very much and enjoy the fights, everyone. <laughs> All right.